Ladies and gentlemen, on stage in front of you are familiar sights, the McLaren Senna, the ultimate expression of a track-focused yet road-legal McLaren supercar. And now, for the first time, please welcome our next-generation supercar for the road and track, the McLaren Prost. Could have guessed that was going to happen. Hello there, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. He's Zog. Hello. He's Richard. Hello. And we love Formula One. Yay! Well, you see, there's the thing. There was no shout from my right-hand side. I didn't know this was an audience participation. Well, it's an interactive podcast, isn't it? Uh, Uh, Did you cheer at home, listener? Do you still love Formula One, Richard? Yeah, I just haven't been watching a lot of it. That that sounds like a slightly qualified, yeah, a bit cautious. I can't explain why I'm not digging this season, because it's a reasonably good season. It's a very good season. In as much as there's a bit of competition, you couldn't call it. I have either been paying no attention to the races live, and it's partly just because I've been out and about, you know, with my children and stuff, and we've always seemed to have things on. I mean, this coming weekend, there's a race on, I'm going to be up a mountain in the Lake District, and on balance, I'd probably rather do that. The weather's meant to be quite nice, it's going to be lovely up the top there, and it's that or watch the Russian Grand Prix. (laughs) I'll do the. But did you watch Singapore? Did you watch Singapore? Uh, I did, but I I did not. I was out. I'd taken my boy to something because he was doing an activity and I wasn't required to sort of be paying full attention. So I was kind of keeping an eye on qualifying on my phone. But when the race came around, we went around to someone's house for a gathering. And we got there and I'd forgotten that the guy whose house it was is actually a massive F1 fan. I knew he was into it. But when we arrived and it's on the telly with the sound off, I was like, oh, well, this just got a bit An better. Unexpected so it's fine. So you could kind of socialise and all our children playing together, but at the same time go, oh, but actually then it was a bit embarrassing because with no commentary particularly, it looked like a pretty turgid race. And there's all these people kind of going, so what's going on then? I'm like, oh, nothing much. And it just confirms casual observers suspicions about f1 that it's not very interesting i put it to you richard porter that you have overcome your addiction because i think it is an addiction because it's exactly the same you've only got to watch one race even if it's a disappointing one to start thinking well my next trip is going to be great man that the next race is going to be better. Yeah. And the fact that you've managed to disengage enough to organise things to do on Sunday when there's a race on suggests that you've overcome your addiction. It's less that. It's more that I have a wife and children and they have things that they do. And so you know, my wife will say to me, oh, there you know, is next Sunday there's this, there's this going on, there's this. And, and if I really wanted to watch it, I'd go, how's oh, the Grand Prix on, so I'll stay in. But I find myself thinking, and this is your right, I've probably broken the addiction because mm. I'll find myself going, yeah, I'd probably rather go and hang out with our friends or go and go like- do something. Like, yeah, I mean, yesterday, I know there wasn't a race on, but I took my boy to an open day at the London Transport Museum Depot in Acton where they keep all the things that are too big to go in the main museum. Oh. And it was great. And I sort of things like that. You go, yeah. well, I'd rather hang out with my son. And well, you've replaced your addiction things. with another one. You're addicted to your family, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, at the same time, then, equally, because it was a blag and it sounded amazing, I went to the Belgian Grand Prix in 
person. So I was paying attention to that one and choosing not to spend the weekend with my family because <laughs> that sounded too good to miss. And it was. It was amazing. Yeah, but it was amazing for lots of reasons. The racing being a component of it, but also go and hang out at Spa, which is lovely. And yeah. drive some AMG Mercedes. Oh, lovely. But yeah, the racing does come and go, to be fair. You know, there are mm. races which are not so exciting. Well, exactly. But, I mean, to, to extend you know, Gareth's just-say-no metaphor, the Russian Grand Prix, it's very easy for me to go, I'm all right, thanks, F1. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Because, again, I'm going away with some mates. We're going to stay in a cottage up in the Just have half a race. Go on, exactly. Half. You can see how it goes. <laughs> and, yeah, I could stay in Sunday afternoon watch it. But then I sort of feel like I'd be missing out on something that might be more fun and that I only get to do once a year. Whereas the Russian Grand Prix will, sadly, probably be on next year as well. But you'll miss that awkward moment where Putin forces his way into the room of embarrassment and awkwardness. Well, you see, that's the other thing. I've discovered that sometimes the highlights aren't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I can quite happily watch the highlights. In mm-hmm. some ways, I had a lovely one. Uh, I can't remember what the race was, which is worrying. Oh, it was Baku. And I didn't watch it go out. Again, we were doing something. We got home and the highlights were on. And my wife said, oh, I'll put the kids to bed. And I sat and watched the highlights and opened an adult drink. And it was just a lovely sort of end to a nice weekend. Because it was like, I'm getting a sort of condensed version of the race. I don't need to watch the whole thing. It's fine. I actually already knew the result because I stupidly yeah. looked it up. But that's fine. I still enjoy watching it. It's impossible not to find I, it I, now. Actually, that's interesting because I think if you have accidentally learnt the result of the race, as I've also done from time to time, just because I don't always remember that when I haven't yet seen a race, when I've recorded it and I'm planning to watch it later... I often stay in the habit of just opening up a browser and going to one of my favoured news sites, just because that's what I almost always do yeah. when I open a web browser. I just mm-hmm. want to see, you know, because I need to know what has happened in the world in the last 45 minutes. You know, we all need to know. You can't go more than about that length of time without checking on the headlines. And so I just open it up, and unfortunately, there'll quite often be a sports headline there yeah, that will tip yeah. me off. To the or it's on the, the radio in the car. Yeah, that's the, just, yeah. Or just, I, If you don't, don't get know. to the radio quite in time, you just hear the beeps and you go for... Yeah, yeah it's too late. The thing is, with my new, slightly more sanguine attitude to F1, I found it doesn't matter. What was the other race where... I know Hamilton won. I can't remember what Monza. Happened. Oh, that's it, yeah, and he got it back. And, and I knew that, and then I watched the highlights, and actually it was fine, because... I got the sense that it was an exceptional victory and some interesting things have been going on. Yeah. And it's almost like you're going, well, I know James Bond's not going to die, but I'm yeah. still going to enjoy finding out how he doesn't die yeah. and mm-hmm. how close he gets to dying before he doesn't die, which I know is what's going to happen ultimately. And it's the same thing. I sort of like, well, all right, I've got an hour or so to watch these highlights. Let's see how he did it. And that's fine. I can enjoy that. If there are no spoilers... And it's not one of those boring races. I always prefer to see it as live so that it can unfold and I can actually get that suspense in real time. Yeah, see, that's uh, the thing. Oh, I just the... don't have the time. Yeah. I really don't. Well, that... And I'll tell you another reason why, and it's quite lame. It's just that because I, I, even if I recorded the whole race, by the time I sat down to watch it on a Sunday evening, it might go on too late. I'm a 10 o'clock bedtime kind of bloke at the moment. I'm just really tired. <laughs> Fair enough. Your kids that, do that wake up at six, don't they? Kids do, and also, yeah. I, yeah, it's just various reasons where I've started doing some exercise and as it turns out, it's really bad for you because it makes you tired. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's hard on your knees. And, it's uh, hard on your knees, yes. And you, and you get ridiculous cramp in the swimming pool. And Well, this is just my recent experience. Yes, well, I had the full, oh, no, I'm going to be sick after some oh, exercise. Oh, no, you're well, doing that's, it that's wrong. Work. But if you had watched that Singapore qualifying session live, I guarantee you would have found the end of that session truly thrilling. You get these moments of tremendous excitement. That's not maintained for a very long time, but as long as you've got enough moments of great 
drama and excitement. Well, the thing uh, is, I, if works. I knew and the result of qualifying, I don't think you, I would watch the highlights. For, no, because it's a different sort of feel, isn't it? You're not yeah, yeah, watching. Yeah. Oh, well, let's see how he got the lead back. You're just going. I would you watch know, it like I heard case, that you know, the Hamilton's qualifying lap was amazing. It, yeah, it, um, it was just spectacular. Week, and also, and then added to that, you had the fact that all the front runners were out there, you know, completing their final attempt at a fast qualifying lap in the last few seconds of Q3. So within just a few seconds, you had Hamilton and Vettel and Verstappen. Everybody completing their laps and. Oh, yeah, yeah, Hamilton's got it, and, oh, and Vettel couldn't improve. And no, actually, no, Vettel did improve, didn't he? But you know, Verstappen has improved. But you know, it's all happening in those last few seconds. Yeah, and you've got that unbelievable lap that Hamilton put together. I actually yeah. feel was- sorry for Sebastian Vettel at the moment. He must be thinking, "What have I got to do?" To beat Hamilton, well, and I in think the Mercedes, it's, it's affecting him mentally. I think, yeah, you know, I he's making mistakes. he's making mistakes yeah. where Hamilton isn't, and yeah, I think that's part because of the pressure he's feeling from Hamilton. It's interesting that he's a bit more vulnerable than Hamilton is mm. mentally mm. in that sense. I read an interesting piece by one of those F1 journalists that's out there. I can't remember Andrew Benson or someone, perhaps, that said there's something else that's happened to Vettel since he went to Ferrari, and it seems to be particularly prevalent this season. He's doing something you never heard him do at Red Bull. Which Speak is Italian? That, yeah. yes. Um, Wearing red, also yeah. something he didn't really do there very much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he, driving for Ferrari, he yeah, never he didn't do that when he was Bull. there, did he? And, but his company car is better. He is managing the team from the car. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's questioning strategy, he's trying yeah. to dictate strategy, and I think this story was claiming that he didn't used to do that at Red Bull, because he trusted that they yep. got their house in order, mm. and he was willing to let them dictate things and that Ferrari still their weak spot they're just not the best organised team when it comes down to things like yeah. race strategy well his that hero Vettel's great hero is Schumacher and of course if you're going to emulate your heroes he's going to try and run that team in the way that Schumacher did Schumacher did it in concert with Ross Bourne and to a lesser degree Rory Byrne and he saw Alonso's failure at Ferrari Vettel you know Alonso should Well, come to Alonso in a minute, but, you know, Alonso could and should have been a world champion at Ferrari at least on two occasions, but it was let down because of strategy decisions, the car not being quite as good as it should. And so Vettel's model is Schumacher. Of course, Schumacher was in some ways, well, in many ways, Vettel's boyhood hero. So he's going to go with that model. And you're right, maybe it's because he feels the need to do it, but also because he thinks that is the way to achieve it, because that's how Schumi did it. But Schumacher, surely, was never driving strategy from the car he was like you say he, he was part of this team he was mm. executing the strategy that Ross Braun yep, would implement. come up with if Ross Braun needed Schumacher to run at a certain pace for a certain number of laps in order to put them into the window to be able to mm. execute a particular pitch top strategy yep. and win the race you know, Schumacher could do that he would deliver it wasn't Schumacher in the cockpit thinking right this is how we've got to change our strategy for the race now that's you know, Schumacher trusted Braun right. on the pit wall, and it seems like Vettel perhaps doesn't entirely trust everyone on the pit wall at the moment yeah. if he feels the need to, to th- talk back and question. Which, yeah, I mean, I know Hamilton's done it sometimes as well, but it seems like Vettel's doing it more 
than he used to. And mm. like you were saying, Gareth, that Schumacher, he did sort of pull Ferrari together, didn't he? He yeah. pulled it around yeah. him. Yeah. It orbited around him. But supposedly, you know, there's all these stories about how he used to do that. And it was things like if the factory burning the midnight oil to get the car right, he would be there. He yeah. would hang around. Mm-hmm. He would make sure. Yeah. He was there showing that he was willing to stay as long as it took as well. And he would go around after a win. He'd go back to the factory and he would thank everybody. From the management to the bloke who swept the floor, you know, just to instill that feeling of we are a team mm. and I'm right here with you. Yeah. And that psychologically is a step back from being in the car in a race going, guys, are you sure we need to pit stop? Mm-hmm. It's a bit too late then. Mm-hmm. What you need to do is put all that in place. In the early. right place. So he's doing it figuratively, but not correctly, not focusing himself where he should do. Yeah, I would be tearing my hair out if I was Vettel because it's a combination of two things over at Mercedes. Lewis is clearly on fire that's veganism for you boys and girls i'm only kidding and they had issues with the mercedes car this year that stopped it from being the quickest car for a little while and now they seem to have sorted that out it's all about rear tire temperatures as far as i can tell they've increased the size of the rim on the rear tire so it's a greater contact patch with the tire and so heat sinks away some of the overheating issues that they were having with the tyre. It's now that temperature that was skyrocketing on the rear tyres is now ebbed away, turning the rim into a heat sink. I mean, what have you got to do against people who come up with brilliantly simple <laughs> solutions like that? Oh, you know, what can I do? What's the point of us racing? But there again, McLaren and Williams ask that just every session, don't they? I read that some of the teams were copying what McLaren had done with their rear wing, interestingly enough. You would think that of all the cars you were going to yeah, yeah. take any uh well they say everyone's you're gonna, got one you're gonna good idea crib anything so. <laughs> well yeah it seems like whatever else is going on they do seem to have come up with something good on the rear wing yeah. which i wonder whether that's the thing that that if you are mercedes that mostly everything is working well so when there is a very specific issue like the tires becoming too hot you can focus all your attention on sorting that whereas it was seemingly McLaren or Williams. It's just a constant firefight, to paraphrase, 99 problems, but a rear wing ain't one. Yeah. And so they've sought one thing, then they've got something else to fix, and there's just not enough people or hours in the day to mend it. Whereas Mercedes can just go, OK, there's one issue that's holding us back, let's fix it. Well, and, and when you've got so many different things that are not where they should be, it makes it so much harder to figure out the variables, yeah. to figure out what it is that you need to tweak to make the whole thing better. It's a much more complicated equation. Fancy getting beaten at your home race, though, being Ferrari and get beaten at Monza. I mean, no wonder Ferrari are arguably in a little disarray. That's mm. got to kill you, isn't it, when you've got the quickest car, apparently? Well, yeah, apparently. it must be disheartening when there's been so much talk about how Ferrari have had the quicker car. Mm. Mm. And when you've had all this buzz about them being that quick, when they're not able to beat Mercedes more often, yeah, it must be pretty disheartening. What's the latest, by the way, if you've heard, on the cooling approach to the camera on the top of the airbox on the Ferrari? You know that they were told off by Charlie Whiting for putting bags of CO2 over the camera. Oh, it is cooling it because it just so happened to obscure the view so that you can't see what they're doing in terms of settings with the steering wheel. And then they fabricated this 
comedic-looking Heath Robinson device, mm. which has got pipes and things going up, which, as far as I can tell, blows cold air over the camera, so it fogs up. Now, Does it? Oh, I thought the thing plugged into the airbox and just blocked the camera, because it's basically a bit of tubing off the back of a bog, isn't it? Yeah, just, yeah. It is very lashed up. It is really Heath Robinson, isn't it? What's the latest on that? Charlie said it's okay. I remember when he looked at it and said, it's all right, but I haven't seen it on the car. And since then, it's now been on the car. And I don't know if they've been told not to use it. We'd have heard but, about uh, it. Surely there aren't any technical regulations about stuff that doesn't go on the car. Mm. I mean, you know, you know your technical mm-hmm. regulations cover you know, Good point. Yeah. a great deal of detail about what you can and cannot do with the car. Yeah. But who cares what tools you're using on it or what you're covering it with on the grid mm. and obviously the rules about they have to use tyre warmers rather than the tyre warming ovens that mm. F1 teams used to use yeah. there are regulations like that of course and you know, the fueling rigs but did he really make, yeah, a, yeah. make a ruling about a thing that they just put on the... Well, they, yeah. put, so they put a bag really? of ice on it, didn't they? And then yeah. they're told not to do that. Yeah, they, and then they, I think an interim solution was they, they just said, put an umbrella over it. Yeah, I saw yeah, that. So what is it they don't want people to see? Is there it something is, in the cockpit or it, something they're doing? It has been suggested, not by me, that there are two indents on the Ferrari steering wheel, which are actually menu buttons which are not visible, and that by some combination of pressing these buttons, they can engage some mode, which you wouldn't find if you looked other ways. And the only way that it comes active is by pressing this. And the whole point of obscuring this camera is that you don't see the sequence that they go through that they're activating these buttons, apparently. Okay, the thing that sounds slightly fishy about that, however, is that... If this is about engaging a certain mode or activating a certain piece of software, seeing what sequence of button pushes you do to initiate it, you know, doesn't help anybody unless it's a cheat code on a PlayStation. <laughs> and this is, and I'm pretty sure they're not using a PlayStation controller-based steering wheel. But these aren't using the existing buttons. These are using oh, sure, effectively yeah. invisible buttons. Yeah, but my point is simply that who cares if they've got invisible buttons? It doesn't tell you anything. All it tells you is that they're doing something with software. Well, does it not it mean that the FIA could come to them and go... Just do that thing we saw you do on the grid oh, right. again. And there, then they'll go, oh, wait, cheat mode? Where's this come from? But that's another issue. Whether the thing that is being enabled in software is legal or not mm. is another thing. And that, as I understand it, whatever they are doing with the car, and it's something to do with the hybrid part of the drivetrain, which is all the drivetrain really, but, mm. but it's something to do with the electrics of the drivetrain. They've decided that it's okay that what they're doing is legal. So I don't see how hiding buttons helps Ferrari at all. You know, they might as well have big buttons on the side of the car and Vettel could just, you know, <laughs> slap the big button with his hand and go, hey, yeah. hey, sucker, hey, suckers, we hit, you know, yeah. I'm turning on our magic mode now. And well, you, also, I don't why don't you try to figure out what we're doing? Sort of extra you know? hidden buttons. I mean, why not just make it some kind of complicated... I know they still mm-hmm. want to yeah, hide exactly, this, but some exactly. kind of complicated press sequence in the existing mm-hmm. buttons. It's like, that's how you go into cheat mode or how you remember to sort of reboot your computer. Well, Maybe because it's something that is repeatable during the race, which will allow Vettel to engage without having to go red up, green down, blue, just a couple of these two buttons at the same time for five seconds, one second, whatever it is. Maybe it is something that's engaged later on in the race. They are, of course allowed to use traction control at the start of the race now it's a limited version of traction control but what if you could use that in some way for instance during safety car restarts 
Mm. And that's what it's all about. And it's only that small advantage in that moment. But they're looking to inhibit any illegal or inappropriate activity. They should be allowed to give coded messages. Suddenly, that'll slap my switch up, you know, if it's slapping things on the side. I'm going to be so happy if this whole thing turns out to be a kind of a Gordon Murray style yes. yeah, yeah. diversionary tactic. Yeah, yeah. it's actually, been mooted. Th- th- they're not doing anything clever at all. They're just freaking people out. They're just out. freaking people out and they're just making people waste their time yeah. trying to work out what they're doing yeah. and actually they don't know anything at all apart from gluing a couple of buttons on the steering wheel and <laughs> making <laughs> yeah, people look close and you go, wait a minute. These are polo mints. Why the f*** are not buttons at all? <laughs> I would love it if that was the case. Yeah, I mean, clearly that car is really fast, but, you know, yeah. someone's got to have the fastest car. Why not them? Yeah. Meanwhile, what are they doing elsewhere that is actually making the car go fast that we're not seeing? Yeah. Who knows? Come in. You wanted to see me, Mr. Brown. Hey, Lando! Call me Zack. Come in, come in. Pie? Um, no thank you, Mr. Zack. Great, more for me. So listen here, son. I just wanted to say we're all super excited that next season you're going to be our main driver. Who is in Spanish? Thank you, Mr. Zack. And I just wanted you to know we promoted you because we think you're a great driver. And not at all because you're too young to remember when McLaren used to be a good team. What? Nothing, nothing. You're gonna be great. Just keep on with your training and whatnot. Okay, Mr. Zack. You sure you don't want any of this pie? Of course you don't. Get out of here, you young scamp. Oh, and hey, Lando. Yes, Mr. Zack. Don't read any history books, okay? Super! Mmm, pie. Step Petrol! We gotta go down speed! It's been a while since Zogrich and I have shared a room together, and I say shared a room, shared a living room together. It's been a while since we've shared any room together. And we have a rule on on speed. When we sit down and have a glass of pop and uh, pizza beforehand, if we start talking about anything, we have to stop. Save it, save it, save it. Because we don't rehearse, so I'm sure you can tell what we're talking about. And what we haven't talked about, wanted to earlier on, but you can't save it with the programme, is driver shenanigans. There's been so much going on in terms of drivers leaving, drivers moving over, drivers perhaps making bad choices and drivers leaving Formula One that this next 20-so minutes of the show could be very intense. Should we start with the big, 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 big news? Go on then. Yeah. Sorokin, is he going to be there? No, no. Alonso leaving Formula One. Some say Formula One has let Alonso down. I disagree. I think he let Formula One down, because if he was better, he'd still be there. Discuss. Well, if he'd made better choices, yeah. he'd have yeah. been a little bit luckier. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's I, part I, of the game. I, I don't think you can say that F1 has let him down so much as he's just been in the wrong place at the wrong time yes. for and most of his career. And it's a great shame because I've massively warmed to Alonso in the last few years hmm. when I wasn't really his biggest fan in his None of us years. were. I mean, like, you know, his talent no. was undeniable, but his sheer skill and the way that he's dealt with the Difficult times he's had at McLaren in particular, I think, is a great credit to him. And it almost makes you forget how unpleasantly political, mm-hmm. to put it in the kindest way, he can be. Yes, that's the thing. I mean, he spent a bit of time whinging about the McLaren, 
But sometimes he's almost been quite hilariously sanguine about it and almost seemed like he's just going, <laughs> whatever, what's the worst that can happen now? Mm. And then the next race stuck it on seventh slot on the grid when it has no right to be there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And reminds you that he is a really, really good driver. Mm. But sometimes can be a bit of an arse and has been in the past yeah. I think he's political but he's political in all the wrong ways like he sort of lacks the guile to make the right political decisions he just seems to have rubbed people up the wrong way and said the wrong things at the wrong time and that hasn't helped it feels like from what I've read that he's not necessarily a great team player in a way that we were talking before about Schumacher galvanising Ferrari around him by understanding that he needs to be this sort of totem pole at the centre of the team, but he also needs to give back. He needs to show that he's part of the team and he will work alongside everyone for the greater good. And it sounds like Alonso was prone to being a little self-centred, perhaps. Are we perhaps seeing the possibility here that Alonso is the anti-Schumacher? Schumacher would build any team. Do you think Alonso could break any team? How long was he at Renault before he won those two championships? Were they great? And then his two years there broke them. He went to Ferrari, who'd been great with Schumacher, and broke them. Went to McLaren, kind of broke them the first... Well, definitely yeah. broke them the first oh, yeah. time. Yeah, well, no, yeah, definitely the first and time. When he came back to McLaren, did he break them again? Is... Actually, he the anti-Schumacher. Does he bring a curse to every team that yeah. he goes to? No, I think it's just sheer bad luck, I think. He goes to Ferrari and then they turn out to have a terrible few years. He goes to McLaren again when they endured their worst period by far in their history. Yeah, he's just made some very bad choices i blame it, him it, well it, do, it doesn't help that he's it doesn't help i'm sure that he's burnt some bridges you know so yeah. so along the way he hasn't always maybe had as many options as he otherwise would have done mm. but that said if you've got that talent you can get yourself just about any drive as long as you haven't really pissed somebody off but then that's but then, exactly what he has yeah, you know yeah. there's surely nobody that he pissed off more than mclaren Mm. And um, they had him back. And they had him back. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, I talk about making bad choices. I think McLaren maybe have. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. Okay, who else in the last couple of years of McLaren's racing could anybody have done better than Alonso? At oh no! I mean, that's ring, the thing. The he was exactly the right, I mean, the right man, I suppose, to ring out a terrible car. Imagine if they uh, hadn't had someone of his caliber, and they'd had, bless him, Stoffel van Dorn, and I don't know, you know, some sort of Nick Heidfeld or something, just someone very good, but who might get a spirit broken more easily rather than Alonso who goes. Oh, fine, I'll do what I can, and goes out there and almost sort of spitefully wrestles it on into the third yes. the third qualifying session. And, yeah, they would be in that sort of Williams position where they just end up bumping around at the back in a lousy car with two, frankly, mediocre drivers. I mean, I think Van Dorn is way better than Sorokin or old cashy boy, but a bad car can really demoralise drivers. You know, so, yeah. Sort of thing about someone like Jensen Button, who absolutely shine in a great car, but seemed like he got his spirit slightly broken when things didn't work out so well. And there's a lot of drivers like that, because, well, I mean, they're Yeah, human. well, Raikkonen, you know. Well, he gets a, his a spirits similar, broken you know. and then he just can't concentrate. <laughs> yeah, when the glass the breaks. Again. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, but even as Alonso leaves the sport, you know, which is opening up one more seat, it seems that still we can't hang on to Ocon which is a shame it is isn't Um, it yeah I think he's just going to be a Mercedes test driver next year and Bottas 
might get moved back to Williams or something like that. But Bottas has been great. Yeah. Lewis loves him. I don't think there's any sign that Mercedes uh, wanted to get rid of him. That. You know, well, I met him at the Belgian Grand Prix. Did you? I met him before. That sounds terrible. That would clang. Yeah, I met Hamilton as well. But Hamilton, usual sort of politely shakes your hand but he doesn't want to be there fair yeah. enough I wouldn't want to be there on the Saturday evening after qualifying drizzly paddock yeah he just yeah. wants to go in fact funny enough he sort of politely smiled shook our hands had a picture with him as a group and then one of the minders went anyway Lewis has um, he's got a he's got to go and he's got a lot of strategy and stuff to go through with his engineers and we were in the Mercedes hospitality thing in the paddock. I've been up there before and they have a roof terrace, but thankfully yeah. this year, because it was slashing it down, they've had an extension put in, kind of like a oh, conservatory couple. extension upstairs. Really nice. So there's a room on top now, a glass-sided okay. room, so you keep in the dry. And then I went back downstairs to the sort of middle floor, and I had to go and use the loo, and I saw Hamilton sitting on his own having some food, just playing with his phone. I, was, I went to go over and go, strategy my ass. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, actually, fair play to him, because I'd much rather sit there and have my dinner and look at my phone than have to talk to strangers about and ask the same questions but yeah. Bottas came up and he was lovely he's sort of disarmingly sweet where yeah. you want to sort of go oh, alright mate you okay yeah. no, don't be too sad if you don't beat Lewis this weekend it's okay you're doing really well because he's really not he's just yeah. he's I just a he solid like bloke a, he, he and he's like also a, always surprisingly small because for some reason you think he's a big guy them are. I mean, oh they all are yeah I mean pretty much they all are there's a few yeah. apart from Ocon who is over 11 feet tall I believe yeah, he's very tall. Even, Ocon is very tall. Even taller than Mark Webber. Six foot one Ocon, I think. I think is he? I think so, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a big issue if you're a racing driver. I was going to say, there's, yeah, there's yeah, no yeah. way I'd fit in a racing yeah, car. I didn't know he was that tall. Quite it's also because I'm getting fat, but there's, yeah. I just <laughs> wouldn't mantle <laughs> But basically, it. it's the only thing that's yeah. holding you yes. back from F1. It's the sheer height and lack of talent. If you could just lose a couple of inches, you'd be big. Yeah. <laughs> well, as you get older, you start to shrink, don't you? So, you know, by the time I'm in my 60s, I'm quite You'll confident be, yeah, I'll okay. get the call from Williams, because I'll be desperate by <laughs> So we've got Alonso leaving the sport. He's had a test with the Andretti run team, but other teams have got massive names, haven't they? It's Ray Hal Letterman, Lanigan, everyone they did else the racing on my house. Actually. They did. <laughs> I like the way that IndyCar teams are all basically merging into one now. There's like they've got ten names. Is this it? like that always happens with like those management consultants? Yes, and they sort of become like Cooper's, Lybrand, and Wilson, or and something. Hitler, and, and yeah. then eventually there's so many names I just go this is ridiculous it takes half an hour for the people answering the phones to say our name let's just make up a word and that's what will happen you just go to IndyCar team yes we're called Quarrelax now <laughs> what? Quarrelax it's almost it's copyrightable yeah because it sounds really old and erudite let's not. just copyright that out Quarrelax copyright Richard Porter Quarrelax not spelt the way you think uh, of course it's it is there's no U after the Q for some reason <laughs> yeah. when you buy the trademark He'll tell you how it's spelled. Very yeah. <laughs> good. Where were we? He's been racing for Quarrelax, I think they're called, or they're going to be called they will soon. Be next year, uh, yeah. Insignia uh, I say racing. He had eight tests. Nothing's been announced. Why is all that about? Why he, he doesn't want to sign for the first team? Or is it because part of his sweetener deal, Alonso, we've got to let you go, say you're retiring, and we will pay for half 
a season in IndyCar and McLaren will run that because we quite like to do that. Do you see what I'm getting at here? That maybe he hasn't jumped, that well, maybe it's a sweetener because McLaren couldn't afford Alonso at the moment. They've got no. nothing written on the car. They can do, be he... about it though. We'll pay for half of an IndyCar season, but it's the second half. But does he want to actually do the season? I mean, does he actually want to do a full season rather than just do the Indy 500? Uh, well, he's sort of yeah, I suppose it's unfinished business, isn't it? I think he you know, thinks he can't win the Indy 500 wants- without knowing IndyCar better, which means running mm. a full season, yeah. I think. I'd like to see him win in IndyCar, you know? Yeah, sure. Can't be that difficult. naughty I know yeah I mean if he wants a really level playing field go and race in GP2 try and beat oh some great guys GP2 engine GP2 engine yes we know Fernando it's GP2 sorry it's called F2 Formula 2 isn't it I know I forgot that yeah me too (laughs) honestly I love F2 at the moment it's brilliantly entertaining George Russell's very good Lando I'm probably a murderer Norris have you seen his eyes he's a murderer isn't he can we say that, Landon Norris? Look at his eyes. He's a murderer. Look Did, at those eyes. I would probably, Does probably make it not liable. Yeah, I think you check. need to ring Ray Hall Andretti and <laughs> or whoever your solicitor is and just check that that's not massively liable. I'm absolutely certain he could be a murderer. Yeah, th- Does that th- th- make it legally? That he looks like. That he looks like someone I knew okay. once who was a murderer. Right. Yeah. Good. It's the eyes. No, Lando Norris is great. What's the name of the... Markolov. Artem Markolov. is tremendous in F2. There are about five brilliant drivers in F2 at the moment. Fuoco as well. It's proper entertaining. <laughs> yes, I felt I had to say that. Didn't it's that good. Rock, rock me have a day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, former 1986 now driving in F2. I, I can't. Fuoco. I was watching the F2 actually when I was in Belgium and it is very good. It's good racing yeah. and it's exciting. But that Markolev, I always get him mixed up with Maglev, that way of making trains <laughs> float. So just, I can't, you know, your brain Easily associates done. two things and you can't. Yeah, yeah. And I just want to call him Maglev. Berglev. Yeah. Anyway. yeah, it's a pretty good race. I mean, has there ever been in recent times an example of a driver sort of, I mean, I don't want to say going backwards because, I mean, it's all sort of fairly intense and good racing, mm-hmm. but, you know, going from Formula One down to what would be perceived as a as lower a feeder formula, formula rather than sort of sideways into mm-hmm. endurance racing or. or something well, that's a good US. question. Um, it has happened, not for a while though. Who was it who rebooted Timo Glock? Gosh, I was considering this myself recently. Wasn't there? Somebody but that did. was a period when Timo Glock was trying to do all of the driving all of the time, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah, Johnny was probably still in F1 as well. Like, um, what's his face? Um, Kubica when he was. Well, yeah, he was doing a fellow in flap who was doing um, Le Mans and also Hulkenberg uh, Hulkenberg yeah, yeah when well, yeah. he was doing all the driving all the time I mean that was yeah. just um, actually there is a driver in F2 at the moment if I remember who was a um, Marussia driver recently or Mano oh, so, Marussia yeah, that doesn't really count I'm talking yeah. about someone who's made it stick you know, true so. enough yeah. yeah who drove for Marussia at the end I'm trying to remember and can see him boy band it Will was- Stevens Oh, yes, of yeah. course. Now, Will Stevens has gone to WEC, but he wasn't, he's not the guy who's in F2 at the moment. He was a man of driver. It is the other guy called. Uh, yeah. Hey, it Russian doesn't guy. matter. You yeah. guys can research it and find out. <laughs> Russian yeah, guy do your own research. Wasn't yeah. Kvyat. Yeah. The other Russian. Uh, yeah. There was a P in it. Yeah. Uh, 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 You're thinking of Petrov. Pe- 
Vitaly Petrov. Vitaly Petrov. about him as well. He's still around, isn't he? We're not doing. He's somewhere. He's Petrov's. It was at Le Mans last year, I believe. Petrov. I think so. But also, bizarrely close to some of the names of the Vostok or Voskhod or early Soyuz pilots of the Soviet space program. Vitaly Petrov. I remember he was on Soyuz Eleven. That name just evokes cosmonaut to me, not racing driver. Sorry, it's just. That's my problem, not yours. Roberto Merry, that's the name of the ex-manor driver who's in F2 at the moment. So, there we go. We've got Other Alonso, dro- good riddance from Formula One, controversial. <laughs> and and well, the, big, well, the other big move, Ricardo. I mean, that's yeah. the... Uh, oh, there is yes. a the, yeah. That's the, yes, I, is that a surprise? Well, uh, in Aussie parlance, I feel like as it stands, he may be bringing himself fewer no worries. There may be more uh, worries uh, next season yes. right. than there okay. are at the moment. Yes. Relatively, uh, he has yeah. mm, okay. little to no worries at the moment. He's right. increasing the potential... Yes. The worry, worry rate will be higher, which for an Australian, obviously, is a sub-optimal situation. Uh, I, I, you were saying like Ron Dennis <laughs> you know, over there. But, yeah, again, interesting to see. It's a team that, you know, they've always sort of said, oh, we're learning, we're building, we're blah, 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 whatever they've said about getting better. But seems like it's been mixed progress. Is Ricardo the man to galvanise them back into a world championship winning team? Which, mm. let's not forget, they once were. Yeah, and if they're being as ambitious as they should be, yeah, mm. they want to get a driver like Ricardo. Presumably, whatever pitch they laid out to him made him think that they're a team worth jumping ship for. Mm. You kind of feel that, you know, maybe there's an aspect of him feeling perhaps a just slightly underappreciated Red Bull, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, yeah. and he sees perhaps a bit more of the team's hopes being focused on Verstappen rather than him. And so going to a new team where he's unquestionably number one and the focus of the team is going to be good for him. He's going to be happier as a driver. I'm sceptical that Renault are really going to be a better package than Red Bull Honda, but Mm -hmm. we'll see. Mm. Mm. The belief is the Honda engine department are genuinely making progress at the moment and that the Honda engine already outperforms the Renault engine. That is in existence at the moment. I mean, you know, that... That kind of doesn't surprise me in the sense that that's what we expected Honda to do, really, Mm -hmm. when they started this. It may have taken them a bit longer to get there than we thought, but I think we always expected them to produce a cracking engine. I think generally it takes you twice as long to get there. Whatever you say it is, it's going to be twice as long. Renault are saying, well, we think five years, so it's going to be ten. By which time the regulations will have changed. Yeah, Mm. moving target. Other driver moves... Kimmy, oh, thank you. Can we just bow for a moment, all of us, get down? Be it's, gra- it's audio, you find it. Oh, sorry, I didn't actually have to bend, but I did. Be grateful that we haven't lost Kimmy, because we very nearly lost Kimmy from F1. At least he's parachuting out of Formula One via the gift of Sauber. Uh, we've got <laughs> Charlie can- Clark in the Ferrari. He's fabulous. I love him. But I love Kimmy more. I love Kimmy. We well, love you know, Kimmy. As, lo- as, as long as Kimmy's in the sport, you'll get press conferences where yeah. Kimmy turns up and answers some questions in the briefest and most disinterested manner possible. Yeah. And that's great. That's priceless. I would yeah. like him, though, to... And I know he still can pull his finger out, but I'd really like to pull his finger out because... I don't know how long he's going to be there at Sauber. Just next year, or will he cling on in there? Two year deal, like I think. Two is it? Okay, so, I don't know. It would be great if he went out in a blaze of glory. I know that car, well, we just don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. like Sauber to get back to being the best of the midfield 
You remember they always used to be the sort of the team that could just sort of yep the little team right the at the end of the, the yeah. season usually yeah. 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 nip at the heels of the big lads yeah. from the midfield. You'd always just go, you know, considering they're sort of not the richest team, they're based in Switzerland, which sort of feels like it puts them on the fringes somehow. It's like they can't just cherry pick someone from a team that's two miles up the road. I guess Ferrari have the same problem, but you know they just feel like outsiders, and yet sometimes they'd go, oh, look, <laughs> we've accidentally come fourth again. Yeah, I mean, and you'd go, oh well done. They sort of have this modestly impressive. Yeah. Racing history, you know, modestly it, is a good way of describing because yeah. it seemed like a very unshowy team, just quietly got their heads down. Yeah, and they think, sort of yeah. feel like they lost it. It started when they painted their car like a sort of mediocre GP3 yes, car, yes. and I think it, that was the beginning of their dark period, which is still <laughs> kind of going on. But I would like Raikkonen to come in there and again for the car to be sort of good midfield, the solidest of the midfield players, and then for Raikkonen sometimes to just haul it onto the podium well, by you know, sheer dint of his talent. Because that's as much what Raikkonen should be about. I know it's he's hilarious and he does funny interviews and stuff and he's sort of taciturn and all that stuff. But he can get away with a lot of that because you know that he's a good driver. Yeah. And if he's I, not showing us that, then it's sort of not quite as fun. I think we are... Sorry, that was a bit serious, but I mean... No, no, but... Yeah. I, 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 Unusual. I, I would expect, I would certainly hope that there'll be particular races where Raikkonen will probably give Sauber a really great weekend. He's still fast, but he is not terribly consistent. Mm-hmm. And uh, he can be fast. He can yeah. he can be tremendously fast. Yeah. But the car has to be right, and he has to be mentally right. And often the mental thing seems to follow the car. You know, mm. if he's got a good mm. car under him, mm. he gets this sense of right. I can do this, and he can still be blisteringly fast. If the car isn't so great, it seems like he doesn't see the point, and he just doesn't have that last bit of speed, and it'll be a really so-so, very forgettable weekend. So I think there are going to be those weekends when it really comes together with him and Sauber, and it'll give them the great race. What I, I certainly sh- hope so. What a shame that Red Bull didn't pick Raikkonen up to go and drive for them. No, no I think they, it- they need to... I think you know, at this keep point, keep the churn of new talent going. Yeah, yeah, they have to. It's, no, yeah. They, they can't bring back an old horse. So I don't think that's sort of their thing. By the way, I know we sort of always make great joke out oh, of Raikkonen likes a drink. Ha ha! I know I've certainly milked that particular meme for all it's worth. I met someone and, recently, and w- which is remarkable given how very hard. He has made it for anybody to believe that he has ever touched a drink. <laughs> I mean, can I just say, which you've done extraordinarily well to mine just, just very thin yeah. material. <laughs> <laughs> well, well but here all is, credit to you for Here's some insider <laughs> gossip that I got from someone when I was at the Belgian Grand Prix. I might have mentioned I went to the Belgian Grand Prix. Did you go to the Belgian Grand Prix? Grand Prix. Which... Yeah, I was talking to someone and I made some reference to that. And they went, well, I can't remember how they claim to know this. But they said, oh, he's not like this sort of Herculean drinker that you might like to imagine. Because no F1 driver is, because they're all because they're, the they're all very very healthy, very very fit, very very healthy. And they said if you gave him a beer and he drank it too fast, he'd be all giggly and falling <laughs> over. And I was like, no, surely they went, yeah, they all would. They're all terrible drinkers because they just I mean, they don't drink know, a lot because they can't. And yeah. they're super fitness guys, and they watch what goes in their body. So when you suddenly put some booze into it again, they all sort of start talking loudly after half a pint. If you, you know, gave them two pints, that's it. They'd probably get they'd be, home early. They'd be like sick. you throwing up Yeah, they'd be like jogging. me doing exercise. Yeah. Yeah. There's some things you're not compatible with. I can kind of believe that. Yeah. yeah. Sort of shattered my illusions. I hope it's not true. But, yeah, I always imagine that the myths of Raikkonen sculling a bottle of vodka. Not before was, a race, it was, it was probably just you know, two or three shots, and he's... Yeah, or it's water in there just yeah. to maintain his image. In the remaining moment of this show let's quickly look at the other driver movements we've got this you can't see that Richard was pretending Uh, he was turning a steering wheel Uh, we've got Carlos Sainz Senior Junior which I believe is his correct name is now at McLaren that's going to go well isn't it 
you think, oh, all right, I it's going to go great. It's a great chance for him. Let's see what he does with it. Yeah. You know, this little show us just so, how good a driver he is. Yeah, Van Dorn is out at McLaren as and well. And he's replaced he? by Lando, definitely not a murderer. Norris, not a murderer. Yes, yeah. and what else has changed? We've the got Klecks, well, the Clex going to Ferrari, Gasly yeah. going to Red Bull instead of Ricciardo, and then and the other stroll to Force India. We think, oh, yeah. yeah, it will happen, but we don't know who will be in Williams next year. Hopefully, could be possibly an outside Ocon. I, guys, I completely forgot to tell you earlier on. I went to the Belgian Grand Prix. Oh, you should have mentioned it. And tell us I about got it. into the well, got into. I didn't break in. I was invited into the Force India hospital thing on Saturday afternoon and well, I walked in there with a couple of other mates and we went bloody hell they've rebranded that was the weekend you know they suddenly changed the name of the mm, team mm, yeah. and we're looking around going because it's all pink still because they've got yeah, yeah. water sponsor and stuff but they, we were like there's all mention of Force India like you could sort of practically see where they'd scraped the name off the side <laughs> of the trucks mm. but we went inside and went they've done a really quick rebrand in here because you can't see the name Force India anywhere we're like this is how have they done this so quickly and then we realised all the people who work for the team were wearing polo shirts with all the sponsorship on and they'd just got black gaffer tape over the Force <laughs> India name really? on their shirts yeah so it wasn't quite as slick as we first thought it just goes to show that yet another problem that can be fixed with gaffer tape yeah, exactly yeah Gaffer tape, as we know, is like the Force in Star Wars. It has a dark side, dark and a light side, side. And light side, and it holds the universe together. And as a roadie, I can verify that. You've been listening to Gareth Jones on Speed. One final question before we go: You're going to watch the Russian Grand Prix this weekend, so What time is it? Two o'clock. Five past yeah, two. Usual time. Yes, I will be watching the Russian Grand Prix. Richard, are you... Nope, I'll be up a mountain in the Lake District. I'll be watching. See you for the next On Speed, which will be episode 350. Have we got anything special lined up for it? No. Not yet. No, we haven't, no. See ya. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones On Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones On Speed! Speed! Woo! <laughs>